one Joe. Welcome to the 148th episode of Enter's podcast. Mason is away from the mic tonight, so joining us as our guest host is Mr. Wayne Viner. Wayne, how you doing? I'm doing well, Jordan. Thanks for having me on the Young Terps. That's a lot of episodes. Is it 148? Yeah, we're near the big 150 soon. We'll have to get commemorative t-shirts or something. I remember, was the first or second one? The first one he did was in Europe, wasn't it? That was, I think, like the third or fourth one. It was close to the beginning. A long time, a long time ago. But what do you have on tap for tonight's show? news you could ever want we have i think like nine sports going right now at the university of maryland so that's first on tap and then we're going to break down maryland's biggest win and i don't know fill in the blank five years maybe it's been a while i mean that was a good win at uh, illinois you know it's only a top 20 team but maryland's record against the top 20 on the road with mark turgeon hasn't been that good but where do you want to start off here start things off, let's kick it off with women's basketball. The number 13 Lady Terps won a pair of games since we last recorded, and they pulled off a huge victory, kind of their equivalent of Illinois uh, the other day, with beating number 18 Indiana 79-69 to on the road to put them in a two-way tie with Iowa for the first place spot. Uh, Kayla Charles delivered another star performance with 21 points and 11 boards. And freshman Ashley Owasu also scored big with 19 points and 5 assists. And then on uh, Sunday, the Terps blew out the Rutgers 79-50 in front of the largest crowd of the season at nearly 10,000 people in attendance. Uh, Charles and Owasu both won Big Ten Player of the Week awards. And now it's another big one for the Lady Terps as they have a huge matchup Thursday against number 20 Iowa, who they're currently tied for first place with. And that is the only team they've lost to in the Big Ten slate this season. So that's going to be that's going to be a huge game for the Big Ten regular season over on the women's side. Well, women's basketball doing pretty well. Washington Post calls them a buzzsaw at this point. They fixed a lot of their problems, and they are – Really cutting a path through the Big Ten. I heard the softball team won. Uh, they won, but they also lost a lot. So they uh, had a very bad weekend overall. The team went one and four over the weekend at the Texas Classic, including a seventeen to nothing loss at Texas. Um, but they also managed to pull out a win against, I think, against Lamar or someone of that uh, status. The Terps travel to Clemson next weekend for matches against Pitt and the Tigers for the ACC Big Ten Challenge on the softball pitch. On the lacrosse side, and before we get to lacrosse, as always, the Young Terps podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals. If you're going to throw a party in the D.C. Metro Baltimore area and you need to rent a few things, it's Allied Party Rentals. Your Terrapin headquarters for party rentals. I have known Donnie uh, for years and years, 25 years, Donnie is a good guy, and they have everything you need to throw the perfect wedding, festival, special event, offer the best in tent rentals, table, chair rentals, dishware options, decorations, and all the equipment you need, including dance floors, to ensure your event goes off without a hitch. They're located in Beltsville. Give Donnie a call at 301-986-0067. That's Allied Party Rentals. So, the Lady Terps open the season at George Mason. How'd that go for Maryland, Jordan? Uh, well, the Terps took down the Patriots. Uh, the 
Cougars are the Patriots, right? They are the George Mason Patriots. They took down the Patriots 19-6 on Saturday, proving their worth for the number one preseason ranking. Uh, next up, the Lady Terps will host number 14 Florida. That game is on Friday. Also, quick correction, um, women's basketball has lost two games to the Big Ten. The other one took place to Northwestern, so I apologize for that. Um, another uh, women's sport before we get to men's lacrosse is tennis, who bounced back from losing two straight last weekend to sweep Idaho 4 nothing in Eugene, Oregon, before losing to the host Oregon Ducks 6-1. to They're now 5-3 in the season which may be more wins they had last season. I'll have to double-check that. But they are on to Big Ten play with Rutgers on Friday. The men's lacrosse team, ranked number four in the country, got themselves down at Richmond by a touchdown. They, they were just not playing well into the third quarter. Near the end of the third quarter, Roman Puglisi, who wears the number eight jersey for the Terps, pretty much decided that he was going to change the course of that day, and he started playing like the Tasmanian Devil. He was running guys over. He got some penalties, but it was worth it. It sparks the Terps. Maryland, improbable comeback, finally gets the game tied at 13. They go to overtime. Maryland wins in the second overtime. Anthony DeMeo, he rocks the number 16 jersey from the Terps. Scores off a feed from Logan Wisnowskis. Terps go crazy. Biggest lacrosse comeback I've been a part of. One for the ages. And unfortunately, it wasn't on television. But you could see interviews with uh, Roman Puglisi, with superstar number two, Bubba Fairman, with the golden goal scorer, Anthony DeMaio, and of course, a couple minutes with John Tillman. I would... I, and in turn Will, we were the only media that weren't associated with the University of Richmond that were at the game. And you got the number four team, they're playing about two and a half hours from College Park, and I was surprised that nobody else came. And the stadium's really nice, it was an easy drive, Terps win, they have Penn on Saturday at 12, so if you want that Terp doubleheader, you got Saturday at 12 against Penn. Penn's pretty good. And then you have time to get home for that 6 p.m. tip-off for the men, men's basketball at Michigan State. So, you know, I really felt lucky. I got the huge comeback against Illinois and then an absolutely improbable comeback on the lacrosse side back-to-back. -back. It was a good turf weekend for me. Oh, I heard there was actually quite a few Maryland fans at the game down in Richmond, though. Well, yeah, but, yeah Bubba came on Terp Talk, and that video's up on TerpTalk.com, and really praised the Maryland crowd. They probably had they probably about 1,500 to 2,000 people there. 30% of the crowd was Maryland, but it sounded like 51% of the crowd. You know, those the Terps, lacrosse, the fanatical following, and they really brought the volume, especially during that comeback. Uh, just an epic win. All right, what else do you have? Well, we got two more to get to. Uh, wrestling lost its unfortunate 10th match in a row, falling to Illinois 31-9. I guess the only saving grace for the wrestling team, who is now 2-13 and 13 on the season, is it's almost over. They only have three matches left, including Northwestern on Sunday for the Beauty and the Beast event with gymnastics. And uh, speaking of gymnastics, they, Jim Chirps, number 19, lost to number 14, Nebraska, on the road. 
196.175 to 193.572. A uh, tough loss for the team, but they're still ranked, and they will face Rutgers on Sunday, also with Union East event. So, tough weekend to be a non Bradford besides the select few of the teams like it. Well, lacrosse program certainly rolling on, and Maryland isn't just absolutely known for that. So it's time. Is it time to talk about uh, that great podcast you guys put out about with Trey Watson last time? I guess we could. Um, well, I guess uh, also that the, we could talk about the XFL, who, from what I saw, was a really fun uh, little league they got going on there. I don't know how much of the XFL you got to see. Well, I was between going to the Defenders game, the D.C. Defenders, or going to the Maryland Lacrosse game, and you know where I ended up. Um, but, hey, the D.C. Defenders, I heard ticket prices were higher for the Defenders than they were for the Redskins. Yeah, on the resale market, that is true. Uh, that, that, from what I saw, that point was a little bit skewed because it used uh, some of the Redskins, the lesser opponents. You factored in the divisionals and a couple other games that wasn't the case, but still... And when you're an upstart league, I mean, beating the local NFL team is pretty good, no matter what circumstance. So did you watch the whole game? I did not get to see the whole game. I got to see a good chunk of it, though. And I really enjoyed watching the XFL this weekend. I thought the rule changes were a bit odd, but not necessarily bad. They're just a little bit weird because, you know, you're so used to seeing football played a certain way. Even the change, the minor changes they make, kind of throw you. But I think a lot of them are progressive. I like the kickoff, the new kickoff rule, which you know, a lot of people have talked about just getting rid of the kickoffs. But this is like a good middle ground to not have the high speed collisions, but still have a return possibility. But on the whole, the football was pretty good, especially on Saturday. I thought the games were good. I thought some of the teams were exciting. I really liked what Houston was doing with uh, Gene Jones. So actually, I didn't know who he was. I'm sure you do. Well, he was the quarterback for the Falcons. He was the head coach at Hawaii. Uh, he's a, he was an offensive genius. Then I think he went to SMU, and he sort of faded away after that. Well, his offensive genius came back. I think Houston put like 48 points or something. They were fun to watch. And they have uh, Temple, Temple's old quarterback to run the show down there. They're just, they remind me of a little bit like Case Keenum, Houston. It's the same stadium. They just were flying over the field. But... At the end of the day, at least what I think is that it's going to be about how the how the football is. You know, a lot of people bash the mistakes of the old XFL and the AAF last season, but I think the biggest thing is just having a decent football product. And so far, I mean, the XFL has already outshone the AAF in that regard. Well, I, it sounds like you're really happy with the product. I didn't get to see much of it. I saw a little bit of the New York-Tampa game. And uh, that wasn't much of a game. So I'm going to just have to take your word for all of that. But you had Trey Watson on the other day, and he talked about his time at Maryland. He talked about what he's trying to do in the pros. What kind of feedback did you get on the Trey Watson interview? I got a lot of positive feedback from the Maryland faithful. Uh, his agent um, had some minor contact with us. He tweeted our podcast out, so I guess he was happy with it. Um, but it's fun when we get to interview players because, especially Trey, I think it was good to get to talk to him because he had a lot of actually interesting things to say that time at Maryland. And his time at Maryland, of course, was really unique because of what went on when he was there. And he kind of was trying to get away from that, is what he mentioned, because at Illinois he had three different coaches. And then he was thinking at Maryland, you know, he could get some stability and try to launch his career to the pros. 
obviously that didn't happen maybe as well as he intended, but he still enjoyed his time in Maryland. And it's good to hear that even with everything that went on last season, he still enjoyed his time as a Terp. I like talking to him. He was a really intelligent about football and about a lot of other things. And he managed to pledge a fraternity, play football, and get a serious degree all at the same time. That is one dedicated young man. And, of course, you actually know his brother, don't you? Yeah, Christian. We talked about Christian a fair amount. Um, uh, he's a receiver up here at NDSU. And it was fun to talk about Christian because it, he tried kind of expressed his frustration with the recruiting process and how he ended up at NDSU because he didn't really get his chance to shine until he was a senior in high school. And by that time, you know, with the way recruiting is, most of the colleges kind of moved on at that point. So Christian really uh, blossomed here in Fargo. And, you know, for all the people saying that, you know, he's at the FCS is such a shame, and maybe it is, but he's getting a lot of pro buzz from what I understand. He is a tremendous athlete, Christian is, and Trey seems really proud of him. And North Dakota State is FCS in name only. There's no D1 teams that want to play North Dakota State. They put as many players in the pros as anybody else. They've got two quarterbacks. The last two quarterbacks are in the league. You're Carson Wentz and Easton Stick. The guy who was the starting linebacker, one of the starting linebackers for the Ravens before he got hurt early in the season was from NDSU. The pl- there's players all over the place. So it's, it's not really, it's not like you didn't make it to uh, – Penn State or Maryland, and you ended up at Shepherd College. This is a legit program, and quite frankly, if more D1 teams would play North Dakota State, it, they'd win more D1 games. I mean, they they keep playing teams, and they keep winning. If you can go to Iowa and win, which N, NDSU did, that that's a big deal. Well, hopefully they can go to Oregon and win next year, but we'll we'll see. It's gonna be tough on I'm hoping to get out there. I've never been to Autzen Stadium, so I'm trying to get there. But, you know, Maryland plays that weekend against Towson, and I know it's just Towson, but you know, I'm so deep into this turf stuff, I don't know if I can break away even to go for a road trip to Oregon, although it would be fun. Uh, but a fun road trip. It looks like if you uh, picked Illinois to be the road trip you wanted to go to as a Maryland basketball fan, you picked the right road trip. What a win that was. What's your takeaways from the Terps beating up on the Illini? Oh, I really, that was an intense game to watch. I'll put it like that. I really enjoyed the big game feel that we got from that game. That was my biggest takeaway, actually. It was really fun to go somewhere else in the big game because you could, everybody was hyping it up there. You could tell, I was reading message boards. That was the biggest game in over a decade at, um, was it Urbana? Yeah, Urbana Champagne. It's Champagne, Illinois. And just to beat a big game somewhere else is a fun thing to do. But from a more, I guess, micro perspective on the game itself. Well, before you get to the game itself, you've been, we have been, to the football stadium and to State Farm Arena, although we didn't really get all the way into State Farm Arena. What What's your take on the venue? Maybe the way the University of Illinois itself really disappointed me. Um, I think we stopped at Iowa right before that, or maybe that was the year before they kind of blend together after a while. But Illinois, just of all the Big Ten campuses I've been to, which is you know quite a few now Ohio State, Maryland, Michigan, Iowa it just kind of underwhelmed me. It just the town of Urbana 
sorry, the town of Champaign, or that whole area, just kind of looked depressing. It didn't seem like a big school vibe, but I really like um, the football stadium. It seemed like a very historical venue. Remind me a lot of Soldier Field. Um, State Farm Arena, what I saw, was a really unique place. It's really old. That was another takeaway. The facilities there are old, but they recently renovated, so they kind of got that, uh, I don't know how to describe it, like modern but retro at the same time look. Uh, hipster? Hipster, maybe. That's maybe the way. Um, but it seemed like a good place to watch a game. It definitely seemed like a good place to watch a game Friday night. And before we get to the actual game, you are listening to the Young Terps 148th podcast. I'm Wayne Viner sitting in for Mason Viner, who is on the air tonight as the play-by-play down at Jacksonville for the women's game. And for those who haven't seen it, up on Terp Talk is Mason calling the Michigan at Jacksonville women's game from Sunday. Take a look. He looks great on ESPN. Just so proud of him. Along with that, still in North Dakota, is Jordan. And I am in the Viner Fourgate studio here in Rockville. And along with Allied Party Reynolds, Viner Fourgates has helped fuel and fire the Young Terps podcast for the past couple years. So, on to the game. Once Maryland got down by 14 and Cowan got in foul trouble, did you hit the panic button? I absolutely hit the panic button because Maryland just looked, I don't know, discombobulated maybe it was the word. Um, Illinois hit a 13 and nothing run with about right before the 16-minute timeout, and then it just kept getting worse. But the thing also, I mean, I kind of contradict myself, but it really didn't get that much worse because Anthony Cowan by himself willed us to stay in the game. Illinois was on a run for a felt like the entire first half, but Anthony Cowan by himself scored, what, 15 points in the first half? He just would not let us fade, and it kind of kept the ship afloat until things got better, but I was absolutely panicking, even with him keeping us kind of in the game. And I was still on the, this is going to work out. I've seen this before. It's really Maryland's defense. It's their ability to stop the other team cold that gives me hope. The offense comes and goes, but the defense at times has been stifling. With about 10 minutes to go in the first half, Cowan gets his third, gets his second foul, and they take him out. And to me, that was, all right, either this is a real team or it's just Cowan and Sticks and, and a bunch of other guys who happen to wear the uniform. And they made it. And suddenly Ayala starts to play like Ayala. And Wiggins starts making shots. And they don't suffer so much with Cowan on the bench. And to me, when you talk about how can you tell a team can grow and get better, is that under that extreme duress, wheels falling off the bus, they hold without their floor leader. And to me, that said more than anything else that this team is getting better. These players are progressing. That was a wild atmosphere. As you said, Illinois, sky high. And you take your floor general off the court, and you're still okay. And I, I even I didn't expect that. And once I saw that, I started to think, you know, we're probably going to win. Wiggins makes those two shots to end the first half. It ends up 42-40. And you're like, we, we got this. Did you feel like we had this game when you got towards halftime? I started to feel that we had a shot a little bit earlier. Around the eight-minute mark, we switched to the half-court trap in the 3-2 zone. And 
that I think was actually the turning point, at least from my perspective, because Illinois at that point had 33 points, and you love bringing us stuff up like this. They had 33 points. They ended with what was it? Well, let me check the actual final score. They ended with only a little bit more than that. I think like 58 or something. They, well, it's the first half. What people don't realize, and you and I have talked about in real time at games, is the Maryland, uh, it's just the way it always works. This is how it's set up. You shoot in front of your own bench to end the game. So you're shooting in front of the opponent's bench in the first half. One of the reasons Maryland has such slow first halves is the other coaches are calling out every play Maryland's running and they're giving the defense a bit of an edge. And if Maryland is close at halftime, without that extra coaching, Maryland just blitzes teams in the second half. Now, no, they don't win by 30, but most of these games aren't really in doubt. You know, what's different? And I think the difference is that in order to really stop these plays that Maryland runs, you have to have that extra coaching. It happened when LSU played Maryland down in Jacksonville in the tournament. It happened in the in, I think the game we went to was the Indiana game. And I said, I was sitting next to Indiana bench. said, when those guys aren't there to yell at their players and tell them where to go, Maryland's going to score 50 points in the half. I think Maryland got 48. And it happened again at Illinois. So I checked. So in, Illinois scored half of their points in the first 12 minutes of the game. But I really felt like we were going to get it back together when everybody gets hit that three to end the half, at the very end of the half. Because just from my experience, I've watched a lot of basketball in my 21 years on this earth, and teams that hit that end of, end of um, half shot, that's tons of momentum killer going into halftime, especially when you're on the road. Because you saw everyone hit a covered three down by two points, but the building just went silent. That was such a... I don't know, kill shot to the fa- to the crowd there. That I felt great when they get to that point. But I will I will go along with that. In the second half, the sticks dominance, the complete player that he has become, was so evident, and to me even more so. You know, Kofi Coburn is a big guy. That guy's probably an NBA player. He's only a freshman. All that. Several times, Sticks just outran him. And if you're 7 feet tall, 290 pounds, and you have to chase Jalen Smith around from under the basket to the three-point line, back under the basket, eventually it's going to get to you. And it got to him. It completely shut off Benishvili. Georgie Benishvili, who's a key component at Power Forward for Illinois, got extremely frustrated trying to chase Daryl Morcell all over the place. So you often look at this lineup and go, well, we're not really big enough. What the other team sees is an impossible matchup. They can't have their 6'8", 6'10", heavy guys chasing our, what become a five-out offense, which means the real goal of this is to get an open three. You have to chase these guys all over the court, and later in the game, you're just out of gas. Do you see the same thing I'm seeing? I see it. I see the same thing, but I might have a different reasoning behind it. That is true. But the only reason it works is because Six is an inside-out threat. I mean, he can score inside. He can rebound. He can block. He's a great blocker. I think he leads the kind of blocks now. And he can still run around like a guard and shoot threes 
like a guy. He might be the best three point shooter in the team right now. He's the best percent. I, well, he went one for five. He made one from out of bounds. They call him. He, he, uh, before this game, he was number one in three point accuracy in the league. I'm not sure where he is now. Uh, yes, it helps if the ball goes in the basket. But I'm just saying that you don't, as a Maryland fan, have to think, oh, my God, we're outsized. Believe me, it's actually the other way around. It's the other team that's got problems covering the Maryland team. And it only works in college basketball. This doesn't really work at the pro level. But in college, the way the games are played and called, being the smaller team is not that, that much of a disadvantage. In a Maryland's case, often it's an advantage. threats in that game were mostly quiet in the second half. Um, Iota Tuma, who's a great player, who's probably going to be all Big Ten, um, was, had a horrible shooting night. I have it from me. Let me look real quick. Yeah, he was 5 for 17 from the field. Maryland, um, yeah, but Maryland can D you up. I mean, Maryland can play some defense when they get going. Yes, they can, and we really saw it in the second half. Um, Illinois just could not get going again. Once they came out of halftime, Maryland kind of pushed them in the mouth. They kind of stayed down. They had a little bit of a run on the eight-minute mark, but the Terps just held them off. They hit a, Iowa hit a three, and the Terps went on another ten, like ten-zero run, and that was it. They never, Illinois never really had a shot to get back into the game. That and, three that Iowa hit was like I called a Nerf hoop shot. It just sort of sat on the rim and fell in. You're like, oh, for all the shots that he almost made, to see him get one that probably shouldn't have gone in was pretty cool. He has been through shooting hell, and he seems to have rebounded from that. Uh, your read on Daryl Morsell, who probably had the line of the night. I think he was 16-5 and 16-8-5 and 5. He also had five turnovers with that, but he scored. He rebounded. He has assists. He did it all. Four, but he had four steals, too. And four steals. He did it all. Team, in my opinion, maybe I'll give it to Ant because he kept us in the game when we need to be kept in the game. But Daryl has really come into his own in the last few weeks, and I said this a lot on this podcast, especially last season. Is Daryl's I really like him, he's a hard working player and all that, but he was an offensive black hole before this season. He's turned into kind of third option in scoring, though, and I don't know when that happened. It seems like it kind of happened overnight to me, but Daryl gets points now, and with Daryl becoming a third option, and Iowa not, frankly, sucking from the field anymore, and Aaron Wiggins making shots, it becomes almost impossible to guard this team. And I didn't think I'd see it under Mark Turgeon, but you're looking at, if Maryland has a good night, or a complete good night, you can say they could beat anybody in the country. And that's something I've never felt like under Mark Turgeon, even when we had that super team in 2016. This team feels different than that one. Maybe because it's been together a little bit longer, but I feel it's it's almost like you feel invisible to Terps fan right now, which might not be a good thing. But that's how I feel <laughs> with this game. I didn't feel like being a downer, so I didn't bring that up. That this, you know, you got Nebraska. You called it a trap game. You're at a desperate Michigan State. You come back this way for is it Northwestern. You're at Ohio State. And then you're down to a handful of games, including a trip to Rutgers, Michigan State, and Michigan here. Um, there's only eight games left. Every year you get to this point, you look around and go, hey, 
there's only four home games left. It happens quick that you get near the end. Uh, so to that end, is it really a trap game against Nebraska? You could call it a trap game. Uh, if you look at Maryland's losses, you keep bringing up in the last couple of minutes here, you keep bringing up that there's no bad losses. Talk about the, the games that they, Maryland did lose and, and why you say there isn't a bad loss in that bunch. We lost to Penn State, who's number 13 now. Penn State's really put together recently. They maybe the second best team in the Big Ten this season. Seton Hall... You really shouldn't have lost Seton Hall. Seton Hall, when we played them, was so injured. But even so, you're going to look at the resume at the end of the season and say, well, Seton Hall, they're not they're in the Big East. They're number 10 and we're number 9. I mean, it's hard to say it's a bad loss at the end of the day. But if you know more details, maybe you could. But it's hard to swing it when they're number 10. And then the Iowa game, Iowa's a good team. You really shouldn't have lost by 20 points to them. But Iowa's not a bad team. It's a road game. They're going to happen eventually. That Wisconsin game is the only game I would say is actually a bad loss, mostly because we really shouldn't have lost that game. But Wisconsin is a bubble team at this point, so that's the one you could say is a really a bad loss. But other than that, I mean, it's a pretty good resume. It, it's maybe one of the best resumes. I think ESPN has this tool that I was looking at today called like the resume-based rankings, where they rank the um, team based just strictly on the resume, not country momentum or injuries or any of that, just strictly computerized, this is what the resume is. Maryland's like number four at that. So we're a number one seed if you just went a resume. So our, we're looking pretty good from that angle, at least. I think we are looking great. And to add to this, first Turgeon team that's gotten better, first solid group of Turgeon players that seem to be getting better week over week. There's a real chance to do something here there's a feeling right now that we are the best team in the Big Ten. We have a chance in the Big Ten tournament, and really, once you get to the NCAAs, watch out, because having a Big Two plus one, and right now the plus one is Morcel, the plus one could be Ayala, the plus one could be Wiggins. The, the, the list isn't that long. The other only plus one might be a Sorrell Smith if he gets really hot, but the two guys who make this thing go, plus any one of the others, is enough to really push Maryland a long way towards the Final Four. So. Uh, that would be a good place to leave, but there's one other news item I want to hit that I think you might find interesting, which is on the football side, real quick, we can't do a podcast without mentioning football, Raleigh Evans got promoted linebacker's coach, and I believe that you um, – I'm a big fan of Raleigh Evans. I'm a big fan. Cordell from the radio side actually knows him. It's one of his favorite coaches at Morgan State. 
Uh, he's been at Maryland for a bit. He is an ace recruiter. It's good to see that Loxley's developing a staff that I think is going to be able to recruit with the best in the country. Hopefully they can coach a little better, but the the beef is walking in the door at Maryland. There's an actual chance to pull off a resurgence of this football program. And as Bruce has said about some other sports, before I die, I hope I get to go to the Rose Bowl with Maryland, that we get that far. But who knows? But at least there's hope again in College Park. And you said that with all sports. It is hard to beat turf. we got lacrosse going. we got basketball hopefully reaching some sort of peak here. And uh, at least there's hope in football. That's all I can ask for on that front. And with that, I think that will do it. Remember, if you're having a party, a wedding, if you're doing that wedding planning for the summer, get a hold of Allied Party Rentals. Give Donnie a call. You can reach him at 301-986-0067. And as always, the podcast is brought to you, the technology is brought to you by Viner Forgates for all your business IT needs. If you need a new website, if you need an accounting system, if you just need to clean up your network, call Viner Forgates in Rockville at 301-251-2900. And that'll do it. Jordan, I'll let you actually do the wrap-up. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we got basketball tomorrow. Hopefully we'll have another podcast later this week with uh, Mason once he uh, frees up again. But be sure to uh, listen to Jackson Roll Radio on Mixer to hear intern Mason. He's really uh, graduated from that title. We need to come up with a better one for him. Uh, we'll get to that next time maybe. But go Terps, and hopefully we'll be talking up the college game day game against Michigan State next podcast. <laughs> <laughs>